0: Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. My name is Scott Jennison at Streamline Property Buyers, and I'm the Acquisitions Manager here.
0: Welcome back, everybody. Melinda Jennison is my name, and I am the Managing Director here at Streamline Property Buyers. Um, just want to say before we get into today's episode, um, a big shout out to people that stop us on a Saturday it's always an absolute pleasure to uh, meet some of the people that do tune into our weekly podcast uh, when we when we are out and about on Saturdays um, we often get pulled up at inspections and um, you know some of the the people that do tune in um, don't hesitate to stop and say hi so thank you very much for those people that have um, introduce themselves on the weekend. We always really appreciate it. And it's great to hear the feedback um, from you directly when we see you and meet you face to face.
1: Yeah, it's lovely to hear people say that they um, love to listen listen to us every week. Um, and, and obviously get that um, hello on a weekend. It's, um, we're out and about looking at auctions and opens and doing our work um, for our clients, but, um, and, and also our research, but it's lovely to talk to people. So yeah, if you do see anyone out and about, um, feel free just to stop us and say hello. Always lovely to chat. So.
0: Absolutely, um, I will say before we get into today's episode um, if you have not already become a subscriber, please head on over to our website at streamline click on the podcast tab. Um, and uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast email list, you will have heard in previous episodes, we do give some free. Um, information to those people that are on our weekly email list. Um, so if you're not already there, please don't forget to leave your details so you don't miss out on any freebies that are up and coming in the future.
1: Yes, why not? Brisbane's number one property? Um, Brisbane's number one podcast, I should say. So today we are going to um, help people understand a little bit when buying and selling property, how much people actually need to disclose. So if you're selling a property, for example, and, um, you know, how much do you need to disclose and tell the the buyers out there, anything about that property, what you need to do, what your obligations are, and what you need to do by contract.
0: It is really important for all of our listeners to understand that the um, seller disclosure obligations here in Queensland are very different to other states, such as New South Wales, Victoria, the ACT, and South Australia. Currently, there is no formal seller disclosure regime in Queensland. I'll repeat that there's no formal requirement for sellers to disclose information to buyers here in Queensland. Caveat emptor applies, buyer beware. And that is absolutely so important for property buyers to understand. Um, basically, Queensland's always adopted the principle um, of buyer beware in relation to. to Selling and purchasing property, which means the buyer really needs to do all of their own due diligence up front before proceeding with a purchase. It's one of the reasons why a lot of people do choose to partner with buyers agents like ourselves, especially those that are not local here in Brisbane. If they're buying from Sydney, Melbourne, um, other areas around Australia, or even from overseas, understanding the requirements for due diligence in a particular location is critical. You're not going to get a full disclosure state here in Queensland for any property that you may be purchasing. So you may not even know what sort of information you need to find out about a property. But we're going to run through some of the things that we've seen in the past um, over nearly six years of representing clients um, in purchases here in Brisbane. Because there's been some amazing discoveries, let's just say, that we've found Um, for our buyers as part of that due diligence process or even um, part of the building and pest inspection process. And these things are not things that um, are required to be disclosed according to legislation. So we'll run through a few of those in in the podcast today.
1: Yeah, I think it's very, really, really important. Obviously, when people look to buy property, it's not a small investment. Um, So when you're spending that amount of money and and you're basically getting told buyer beware, uh, I think you really need to understand what you're being aware of and what information you more more you're not getting than what you are getting i think um when it comes to that sort of thing as well
0: yeah buyers actually need to take all of the steps themselves the appropriate steps to investigate the property um that they're purchasing to to check for defects or faults or any issues that uh might be associated with the property that said um there are some obligations on a seller in relation to the obligations under the real estate contract or the contract of sale. There's certain terms and conditions that a seller does need to um, rely upon. And there's certain information therefore that needs to be disclosed. We will run through that um, today in the podcast. There's also some common law obligations and legislative obligations that do exist. However, the disclosure obligations um, are much, much lower than they are in other states.
1: So when we start to look at what's actually um, required, what you're obliged to disclose, we run through some of the um of the items so if you look at things like standard terms in the contract
0: so the reiq standard contract does require disclosure of a few things to a property buyer um, and these items are usually always um identified on a contract of sale now remember If you are a a buyer in the market and you are submitting an offer that's not in contract form, you may not have actually seen some of this information because it's only required to be disclosed on the contract. So, for example, if you're putting in an offer in a letter of offer form and the first time that you see the contract is after your offer has been you know verbally accepted, then this might be the first time that you're receiving the disclosure or the disclosed information that is required so. that's something to keep in mind always ask for a copy of the full contract, and if you don't understand any of the information within that contract, make sure you seek. um, A contract review from a conveyancer or a solicitor, so that you understand what you are signing. So um, that's an important tip for you as a property buyer.
1: And you get that, I think nearly every auctioneer, when they when they talk about an auction, they'll say that the contract's been on display um, and you should have read the um, standard terms, conditions of the contract. They'll, they'll give you that warning when you're looking at it um, to buy a contract, especially at an auction, um, no different to buying under negotiation as well.
0: Absolutely. Now, um, the standard terms of a contract do require that any defect in the title or statutory or unregistered encumbrances affecting the property will um, basically, they will not be removed at or before settlement. So there is a requirement for the seller to disclose any defect in the title. So for example, to use more layman terms, if there's a sewer mains running through the property, um, electricity mains, unregistered rights to enter or cross part of the property, for example, easements, these are the sorts of things that will be noted on a contract of sale, usually page three of this standard REIQ contract. Um, So always good to draw your attention to these areas within the contract so you can see whether anything has been reported. Please note sometimes some sales agents will use some standard wording in there um, to refer to the title document, um, or they might use standard wording to the effect that any registered um defects have been you know noted um, and they have been provided to the buyer well it's really important that you understand any standard wording that is used in that section of the contract and if you don't make sure you get a solicitor's review um, and an opinion based on you know any encumbrances or easements that do exist
1: and, and obviously when, when when we look at property um, these are the sort of things that we look at so all the reporting that we do for our clients We'll check all things like that, the sewer, electrical, all those easements, and make sure that we do that in all our due diligence and all our reporting on properties as well.
0: Now, sometimes you might be looking to buy a property and you're not actually aware of um, disputes that might be underway between neighbours, for example. So if there's a current or potential claim or a notice or proceeding that may lead to a judgment, in relation to a property then that also must be disclosed um, and that's um, a requirement under the standard terms of an REIQ contract so for example um, just to give an example of where that applies a neighbour might claim that a structure on your property encroaches on your boundary um, or it's causing a nuisance to their property if proceedings have already commenced in relation to um, that dispute then obviously that does need to be disclosed upfront before a contract is entered into so you know, it's important that you understand what does need to be disclosed and what does not, but um, disputes that may lead to judgments or court cases, that is something that definitely needs to be disclosed.
1: The the other one will be obviously then any order um, through courts and tribunals, so things like Brisbane City Council, Supreme Court or QCAT.
0: Yeah, so that's any work that um, has already been ordered to be completed on a property um, that may have been um, an order of the court issued prior to the contract date, obviously, as the new buyer, you would need to um, have an understanding of any previous disputes and any orders that are in place in relation to the purchase that you're making. So- fairly,
1: fairly common up here in Brisbane is swimming pools, we all like to, uh, in the, especially in the summer, because we do get that beautiful warm weather, um, swimming pools in the backyard.
0: Yeah, so there's definitely an obligation on the seller to provide a pool safety certificate. And if you don't provide that as a seller, there is a requirement to provide a notice of no pool safety certificate to a buyer before settlement. Um, Again, as a property buyer, it's important to understand uh, what it means if you have received a notice of no pool safety certificate. um, And we recommend that you get advice from your conveyancer or solicitor in relation to what you need to do. Um, if that is the case, um, again, it's going to be property dependent in terms of any works required to get that pool safety certificate, but that obligation will then fall on you as a property buyer. So it's important that you understand what your requirements will be either pre or post settlement in that instance.
1: So these are, these, these were the standard terms obviously in the contract.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So basically these, um, things are the, the protections provided to a buyer that are covered by standard terms in a real estate institute of queensland residential sale contract but there's also going to be some common law um, i guess um, disclosure obligations on on a seller but um, remember anything that's covered under common law um, the contract itself is not going to protect you so for example you know if something is not disclosed and you later find out after you've moved into a property then you know it's more likely that you would need to um, sue the person the seller the sales agent or whatever for not disclosing that so it becomes a much bigger issue it's not um a contractual dispute it's a common law dispute and um and that that that's a whole new level of um argument i guess you yeah could say.
1: I, I don't think that's something this is probably something the common law one day not everyone really wants to do. I mean, you are going to buy buy a property, you, you want it hassle free as much as you possibly can. Um, the last thing I want, I think, you want to do is actually come into a dispute and then have to go to court over it as well.
0: Absolutely, and you know, I think some of the the biggest issues that we've seen in the past in relation to common law um, issues are in relation to how a property might be advertised, and there's often or sometimes misleading or misrepresentations made. Um, by a seller or their agent to buyers, Um, probably the biggest one that we note um, or notice is when you know areas that may not be certified to be used in a particular way are advertised um, in a misleading way, and what I mean by that is quite often in Queensland, you might find that the. um, underneath or the the undercroft part of a home has been built in, but that may not be. Um, certified um, to be used in a particular way. Now it might be staged with a bedroom and a lounge room, but the ceiling height might be less than 2.4 meters and therefore it might not be um, certified to be used as a habitable space, which means even though it might be staged as a bedroom and set up as a rumpus room, um, it can only legally be advertised as a storage space um, as opposed to a living space. So Um, It's always good to ask questions with an agent um, if they are advertising on a floor plan that a space is a bedroom, just to make sure that it is a certified um, building and that, that it is not actually misleading advertising, because again, you could purchase the home thinking it might be four bedrooms, two bathrooms with two separate living spaces and later find out that it's in fact only a three bedroom home with a single living space, because the downstairs area is not a certified area to be used as a bedroom and a second living space. So this would all be post contract post settlement that you may find this information out Um, and, of course, there's no recourse under the contract in that regard um that would become an ongoing issue that you'd have to chase up with the seller or their agent according to or depending on how the property was advertised
1: yeah you'd have to go down a lot of avenues there to to find out and do those searches on those building approvals Um, it can take time you might not have that amount of time when you start to um, look to put a, uh, a contract and an offer on a property as well uh if it's not approved obviously and it's pretty pretty common as you just stated that one melinda the underneath the house Especially here in Queensland, people tend to lift their houses up and then build in underneath. Um, as, as you said, if they're not approved, um, you're not supposed to use them as a habitable space. Um, you you can look to then go and get them approved, but you obviously got to comply with the BCA, so the Building Code of Australia, um, to make sure they do comply with building codes. Um, and there's obviously cost involved um, and hassle to do that all, as well.
0: And obviously, you know, not every home that we would look at for clients will have, um, you know, everything fully certified and, you know, it's important just to um, disclose that information to all buyers so that they understand the value based on what is actually approved and how it is approved to be used. Not all structures on every property will actually be fully council approved. So it's important that as a buyer, you're actually, you know, doing those checks up upfront um, or you're aware of the unapproved structures before you enter a contract so that you can understand Um, your obligations in getting them approved or what the risk is that you're taking by um, accepting the property as is because it is you know caveat emptor buyer beware you are accepting the property as is um, unless you're making investigations otherwise
1: so if we move to legislation side of things and and what's actually required to be disclosed on the legislation
0: So again, some of these do overlap with the um, requirements that are disclosed on a contract. The first is um, that if the land is recorded on the environmental management register or the contaminated land register, um, it must be disclosed and that's something that is actually um, disclosed on a contract of sale. Next, you've got to disclose whether the property has an electrical safety switch installed. Um, That's actually something that all sellers must disclose and there's tick boxes on on the contract for that purpose. Um, You must also now disclose whether there are any compliant smoke alarms installed in the property. And there's obviously been past episodes that we've covered on the podcast that deal with smoke alarm compliance law changes that came into effect um, more recently here in Queensland. QBCC, or the Queensland Building and Construction Commission Act, requires that um, if building works at any time were carried out by an unlicensed builder, for example, an owner builder, um, and if the property is then sold within six years of completion of this work, that also, um, a notice must be provided to the seller, along with the relevant warning under legislation. Now, usually a title document Um, for the property will also note whether there has been work completed by an owner builder. So again, always good to understand that Um, if you're taking on a property where there has been um, work completed by an owner builder, you perhaps won't be entitled to the same um, home warranty insurance. Um, that you would otherwise be afforded with building works completed by a fully licensed builder. So again, these are all information. this is all information that buyers need to understand, um, especially if you're not familiar with uh, where to find this information within the contract documents. And that's why it's important to get a contract review um, so that you understand everything about a property.
1: So just on that, um, that one about the building side of it, obviously when you have a licensed builder, they pay um, home warranty insurance through the building corp whether it's here in queensland's obviously qbcc they're open in other states with other names um owner builders um they're not obliged to do that which means you don't then get that six years six months of um warranty home warranty insurance on the property which covers you for things like um structural defects and category one defects so water leaks and uh whatnot so it's really important obviously if a lot of work's been done you want to make sure it's done by professionals and it's all been certified and approved
0: or alternatively, that you are aware up front that um, the, the property does not come with that that additional layer of security, and then you're pricing that property accordingly because, you know, a, a property that's been done by an owner builder versus a fully licensed builder, there may be um, some difference in value that you would actually attribute to that property. And it's a conversation that you can then have with the sales agent during negotiations should um, the uh, property be a, a property of interest.
1: And then obviously neighbourhood disputes.
0: Yeah, so any... Um, disputes in relation to um, orders made by QCAT, um, such as trees or dividing fences, that must be disclosed. And we did cover that um, a little bit earlier in terms of you know what would be disclosed on a contract of sale. So um, I will say also that um, we've really highlighted those, those requirements for disclosure in relation to freehold land. Of course, anything that's under a community title scheme Um, or a body corporate scheme here in queensland there will be additional disclosure requirements in disclosure statements that come with um purchasing properties like that and again previous episodes on the brisbane property podcast have really taken a deep dive into buying under body corporate schemes and what you must be aware of as a buyer before you actually enter a contract um, for any townhouses or units
1: now it's very different obviously state to state um there's different um laws and obligations and and different contracts so it it doesn't if you're buying somewhere in say sydney melbourne um compared to brisbane very very different you need to know that the difference in these contracts um so there's obviously a proposed um property law bill melinda
0: there is so this is actually very good news for queensland property buyers however um the bill is not yet in effect the property law bill from 2022 um, proposes to implement a statutory seller disclosure scheme here in Queensland. Now this uh, proposed statutory seller disclosure scheme um, should then coincide with the existing disclosure schemes that are already in place in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia and the Australian Capital Territory. So Basically what this means is it does impose disclosure obligations onto sellers to provide basic searches and relevant certificates prior to any contractual arrangements. So this will be game changing for Queensland buyers. However, what I will say is that um, consultations for the draft ended or closed on the 31st of August, 2022. Um, but nothing more has occurred since that time, so we don't yet know what the time frame is for this. Um, seller's disclosure requirement to come into play so at the moment here in Queensland, of course, it is still caveat emptor or buy it beware, um, but there is. Some or this talk of proposed changes coming in—it's just not yet something that um, has been legislated.
1: So, so basically, the uh, rationale behind it, um, pardon the pun, is to streamline the process.
0: <laughs> it um, is, yeah. Basically, it's to provide buyers with um, with the information up upfront, um, providing a more efficient and transparent purchasing process. So much um, like the disclosure requirements in other states, basically, it will clarify what disclosure obligations a seller does have, um, so that everything is made aware or provided to the buyer upfront. So there's going to be a prescribed form um, that's in draft form at the moment, it's a seller disclosure form. um, And on that seller disclosure form, the requirements of the seller will include information and and or certificates um, on things such as um, any easements, covenants or encumbrances, um, whether there's tree orders or applications affecting the property, any written notice, or the fact that written notice is not required under the Environmental Protection Act, um, whether any building work has been carried out by an unlicensed person in the last six years. Um, the re- it will also require that no warranties are given about the structural soundness of the building or improvements to the property and what this means is that you will still need to obtain your own independent building and pest inspection. Um, and it will also provide disclosure that there's no current orders, notices, or transport proposals affecting the land issued by a relevant authority that may affect the title or the use of the land after settlement. So as well as um, you know, these um, requirements upfront, there's going to be certain documents that may need to be provided to every prospective purchaser. And these will include a current title search. And I note a lot of sales agents already provide this, not all, but a lot do. Um, There's a few things that you can look for on a title search document, um, including any mortgages, encumbrances, and whether any of that work has been completed by an owner occupier. Um, Sellers in the future may also be required to provide a registered survey plan, body corporate certificate, um, a community management statement for the community title scheme that's already in place for those body corporate schemes anyway, a pool compliance certificate, any tree orders under the Neighbourhood Disputes Act, unlicensed building work under the QBCC Act, a rates notice, a water services notice, and a notice regarding a transport infrastructure proposal. One thing to note is that the disclosure statement here in Queensland is not proposed is not proposed to include any flooding history on a property and I know for a lot of people this um, is one of the big things that you generally want to understand upfront when considering a property Um, and funnily enough I, I recall having a conversation with a local sales agent here in Brisbane following the 2011 flood event which of course happened very suddenly um, and I communicated to the agent that this is exactly the reason why we will never buy in a zone or in a in an area that has a flood overlay, because just because it hasn't flooded in the last 20 or 30 years, it doesn't mean it will never flood again. Because I know prior to 2011, um, a lot of sales agents, a lot of um, sellers were saying, but we didn't flood in um, in the big flood in Brisbane back in um in in 2003 wasn't it scott when was that big flood?
1: 2004 (laughs) and 2011 i think it was
0: so so you know if it didn't flood in in um you know the flood 10 years ago and then it did flood there were different types of floods so we'll always check flood zoning um to make sure that a property is not impacted by any types of flood overland flow creek and waterway flooding and also river flooding because there's different types of flooding here in Queensland,
1: and and the other thing it won't cover is the structural soundness of the building, um, any pest infestation, um, current and historical use of the property, current or past approvals for the property, uh, limits imposed by planning laws for the use of the land, and services that uh, that or may not may be connected to the property
0: that's right so look there's still going to be an obligation on a buyer to complete additional searches but it's it's a positive step forward Um, but keeping in mind it's not yet something that is legislated so at the moment there is no seller disclosure requirements whatsoever other than those that are imposed within the contract or at common law Um, so it's really important if you are a buyer to get an understanding of um, you know the the level of due diligence that you need to do up front but you know, we've seen some pretty interesting um, things that that have not been disclosed to us as the buyer's representative in in transactions prior to entering a contract. Some of them we know that the sellers would um, have been privy to, others perhaps the seller was not even aware themselves. What are some of the big uh, bigger um, surprises, I guess you can say, that we've discovered before clients have proceeded with a purchase?
1: So maybe i start on some smaller ones um, just to make it a little bit easier, but little things and these are some things that we also pick up at building and pest inspections um but stairs for example um so when when a set of stairs are constructed in a house every single riser so the uprights for each stair needs to be the same height on each one so they need to all continually go up at the same height um there's certain amount of distances those type of things so the stairs need to comply
0: can I just ask on the, on the stairs? And I know this was something that came up on a building and pest report for a property investor that um, we had been, that we were representing um, at least three years ago now. Um, now, we actually um, made the recommendation that they withdraw from that contract because if there was a fall, the tenant had a fall um, in the property by um, walking up or down those stairs, anyone that visited them, uh, because those stairs were not compliant with the building code, um, that presents as a liability risk for that property investor. They expose themselves to, um, you know, a lawsuit on the basis of an an unapproved um, set of stairs. So these are the sorts of reasons why it's so important to understand a property before you buy. It may be different for an owner occupier if you are purchasing for yourself but certainly for an investor in this instance our recommendation was that they um, do not proceed with that purchase because that was going to expose them to a level of risk that we did not feel comfortable with um, and nor did they which
1: is similar i guess to the next one i've got there which is handrails and balustrade so there's different obligate you need like one meter high certain 125 millimeter minimum uh, maximum openings things like that so there's lots of little areas like that when we get a building and pest inspection, quite often the inspector um, will actually say that the sta- the handrails and balustrades don't comply with the current code. However, they might have complied with the code when they were built in the time. So if they were built that way and they complied when they were built, um, they will make a statement of that. If you then alter, change or work on those handrails and balustrades at all, you need to bring them up to code.
0: Which is the current building standard. One of the um, more interesting discoveries that uh, we made during a building and pest inspection, um, Scott, was um, a fire that had occurred in in a property previously. Now, inspecting that property during a normal inspection, there was absolutely no evidence whatsoever that the property had been damaged by fire previously. Uh, but during the building and pest inspection, tell us what happened. Yeah,
1: so when you climb up into the, uh, into the ceiling space um, and all the timber's quite black, um, you, you know that there's been a fire throughout the property. So at that time, that, that's when a discussion um, was had between the sellers. Um, and, and then it was obviously opened up to say, look, this had happened previously. They, it wasn't when they were living there or anything. Um, but you know that's the sort of thing you've got to be aware of. So it could be structurally sound, it could be all fixed up, you get an engineer's report on it. Um, building and pest guys will not be able to comment too much on it, they're not um, structural engineers. Um, but that's when you can get an engineer's report on it to make sure it is structurally sound um, and it's also safe. Um, so there's no um, ash and things like that can actually make it um, unsafe for people to live in the uh, the residence.
0: And these are the sorts of things that, you know, there is no um, current disclosure obligation on a seller to, to provide a buyer with that information. Now, some buyers who choose not to do a building and pest inspection report would never discover that sort of information. Um, a lot of properties that are sold by auction um that may not provide a building and pest inspection report up front. Um, you know, it's it's up to you to get that building and pest inspection done prior to bidding at auction. Otherwise you may not discover things like this. Now, you know, whether it's a structural issue or not, um, for some people that that might want to be living in a property as their home, um, there's a feeling associated with living in a property that that may have had a significant fire in the past. So these are the sorts of things that really are important to be um discovered uh uh, before you actually formalize a contract and become unconditional with your purchase
1: yeah another common one is is electrical items um so turning on and off lights fans um, air conditioning units making sure the air conditioning units turn on and off and actually function they're the sort of things that people they don't need to disclose um it's obviously up to the buyer beware um that you've got to check these types of things to make sure that they are working they're the sort of things that can actually cost you money um that you're not prepared to know about it until you actually move into the property or, or hands over and you find out that they those things are not working
0: and that's there's no bigger frustration for buyers um whether you are an owner occupier moving in or whether you are an investor with tenants moving in to find out that there's certain appliances that don't work um that air conditioning um you know units uh, do not work like these are the sorts of things that should be checked um as part of a formal procedure in your due due diligence um up front because otherwise you could be up for a lot more money in the future
1: one of the big ones um which which um we have seen um and we've heard about found out about researched about um is if there's been a death in the property
0: yeah this is an interesting one because um some types of um deaths that result in the property becoming a stigmatized property generally do need to be disclosed so Um, That is things like a property that's um, had a murder take place or a property where there's been someone that's taken their own life. Um, However, someone that has just passed through natural causes through the property um, that's not something that necessarily needs to be disclosed so again um, it's important that you ask questions not all sales agents may be privy to the information and not all sellers may be privy to the information but um it's just important to ask these questions up front um so that you can understand everything about the property before you proceed to a purchase
1: let's hope the bill gets um gets through i, I think that's a lot of positive things that they could actually change um bring into contracts i think it's going to be better for buyers um, as i said earlier we, we do pretty much well we do all of this and more For our buyers, when we start looking at property, make sure that we can disclose all of that information as much as we possibly can um, before we actually look at a property. So there's a lot of work involved in it. Um, I think the bill would be positive um, for it as well. Um, I think that's about a bit of a wrap there. Obviously, as Melinda said earlier, if if you're looking looking for a podcast and people are looking for a podcast, just tell them to Google Brisbane Property Podcast and they'll find us and they can subscribe. So I will let Melinda wrap it up as I normally do. It's been great talking and we'll talk again next week. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now.
0: Yes, thank you so much for joining us once again on the Brisbane Property Podcast. As Scott said, um, if you uh, want to subscribe, Google us at Brisbane Property Podcast. Head on over to your favourite podcast player um, and don't forget to you know hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any future episodes. Additionally, if you're wanting to jump onto our email subscriber list, you will need to head to the Streamline Property Buyers website at streamlineproperty.com.au. head on over to the podcast tab, um, and there'll be an opportunity for you to subscribe to our email list. And that's where you're going to get those additional downloads um, and bonuses from being a subscriber. As always, if you've enjoyed our content, please don't forget to share with friends and family. We would love for you to leave us a review on whatever um, your favorite podcast player is. Um, but we hope you have a fabulous week. And until next week, we will see you again then. Bye for now